It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine, Joe Goodberry coming up in 30 seconds. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts on Twitter at James Erpine and at Locked On Bengals. And it's later in the week than normal because of, uh, well, moving and stuff. But Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joins us every single week. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Better than the Bengals are doing. Better. Th- well, that's you, me, and basically everyone in between you and me right now. You're, in, you're near Buffalo. I'm in Cleveland. A- anyone in that area doing better? Everyone really that that is a Bengals fan right now, I think, is uh, is already focused on the offseason, which is crazy to me. And yesterday I talked about this and there's so much I want to talk to you about. Um, But yesterday I I thought about it and I'm like, man, this team was four and one. Like I was I was at the Atlanta game and it was crazy and it felt like it was going to be one of those playoff seasons. And since then, it's been about as bad from an injury perspective, a coaching perspective, a play on the field perspective, as you can imagine. And now they're five and seven. And it feels more like they should have listened to us a few years ago when we said draft a quarterback. And they were so close to beating the Steelers the following week, right? Was that the following game? Yeah, and, they, you know, they were minute almost and five and 18. one. Yeah, imagine that. And, and you've seen the Steelers now lose two in a row. Um, the Ravens. I guess this goes into your your, your comment there of they, that they should have taken a quarterback. But as uh, Flacco got hurt, they inserted Lamar Jackson, completely revamped their offense, running out of the pistol completely, which is um, something you don't see NFL teams do a lot. And they win their three games in a row. And if the Bengals were in that situation and turning to Lamar Jackson instead, even though we've hashed this, we've talked about this, but it makes me think about it now because when we talked about Jackson last time, it was after the Bengals lost – to the Ravens, and Andy Dalton was healthy. Now it's, well, Andy Dalton is hurt. Again, second time in four years he's hurt his thumb, and you kind of think, uh, man, what if they did invest in that backup quarterback position? Because they're the only team in the AFC North that did not. Yeah, it's, you know what it is, it, it, and it's from Marvin, and I want to talk about uh, Justina Anderson's report, but from Marvin Lewis to Andy Dalton to, to everything they've really operated out of, it's always been reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's ironic because the one thing that wasn't reactionary was drafting Cedric Abuehi and Jake Fisher. And you look back to that 2015 draft, and that's where it all started, I, I think. It is it, You held on to um, everyone too long except the guy that you were worried about hanging on to too long, which was Andrew Whitworth. So you were preparing for the future. And it's cost them. It's just it, it's crazy to think about how quickly – Things have eroded, but now they're like people up here in Cleveland laugh at the Bengals. They laugh at the idea that Hugh Jackson's at Paul Brown Stadium. I'm serious. Like, mm-hmm. and that's Cleveland didn't win a game last year. And they, they you know, they're four and seven, four, seven, and one. It's not like they're good. And it's like, 
you guys are the Bengals with Hugh Jackson potentially. Like it, it's just it's crazy to think, and I don't blame them for feeling that way. And I think a lot of Bengals fans feel that way. But it's just it, it's spiraled downhill quickly. And a lot of it is because they weren't proactive. And the one spot they were proactive at tackle, they got it wrong and made the wrong decision. So it's uh, it's just been crazy in hindsight looking at it, at everything that's happened to this Bengals team and organization. A lot of it goes back to 2015, doesn't it? And yep. you mentioned that draft taking uh, a where they did. And James, if you had a podcast then, if we would have talked then, I would have said, I hated this pick. I, someone sent me my tweet I had that was right after the, the, they took that pick and uh, – uh, I, I retweeted on Twitter because it's funny now, not funny, you know, at the time or even the last four years. But um, I, I said I did not have a boy as a top 100 player in that draft. And it wasn't just because of injury. It was because of exactly what we've got, got to see in, uh, of him in a Bengals uniform. He was that guy at Texas A&M. A&M had such an issue with him at left tackle, they moved him to right tackle. I mean, they... The idea that he was a first-round pick, even when he was healthy, was laughable to me. And when they made that pick, I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe the, you know, we can trust this team at the time, 2015, right? Paul Alexander has turned out some good offensive linemen. Um, we should trust the process in, the, in this. Even though I'm disappointed, maybe they get this one right. And then they come back and take Jake Fisher, who, who I was much higher on, and that hasn't worked out either for injuries, and he's on injured injured reserve again. Um, so. You go back to that. You go back to Dalton hurting his thumb. You go back to the debacle of the playoff game, that final few minutes of, of everything that transpired and, and how this team probably should have taken it as a sign then to move on and start anew while Andy Dalton and A.J. Green and Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and Vontez Burfick were still young and in their primes. That would have been a great time to hit the reset button, 2015. Even though that was maybe their best team, under the Marvin Lewis era, it would have been a perfect time and a warranted time to do that, right? To move on. Yep. Instead, we've had the drudge through these last three years of this team. And I wrote about this, believing that they're just a year away. Like, man, next year we could be a little bit better if the ball just bounces our way, if guys stay healthy here, if we add a little bit of speed here, if we draft this guy, you know, maybe next year they can make that run again. And during that span, all they did was lose premium talent at wide receiver and on the offensive line and other players, too. Um, you know, Reggie Nelson and, you know, guys here or there that are quality starters or at least depth players. And they haven't been able to refill them in free agency. Maybe their best free agent pickup over that time was Brandon LaFell. And he gave you two years of limited play at, at the receiver position, so limited that they had to go out and get a John Ross. But it, it's a chain reaction, right? So you go ahead and, and early you say, we're going to take a boy Ian Fisher. We know Andre Smith is up and down and, and probably let him go in free agency. He's not worth paying as a veteran. And Andrew Whitworth is getting old, even though we really like him at left tackle. So we'll groom these guys. And we'll replace them with these these up and coming young offensive linemen. That sounds like a solid plan, and it's different than their plan. Like you said, they've always been reactionary. Uh, look at the, the the other side, the wide receiver side. You lose Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones. So what do you do? Well, we're drafting two receivers back to back premium picks: Tyler Boyd and John Ross. Now, you could say Tyler Boyd has now fulfilled his his role, but it took three years. Yeah. And John Ross may fulfill his next year, but it took three years. So is it worth it to lose that those guys that are making $8 million a year, which is really nothing now? At the time, it seemed like a lot. Two or three years later, you're like, oh, man, that's that's like the 40th best or 40th highest paid receiver in the league. It's nothing. So, you know, the replacement cost plus the time it takes to get that new pick to perform the way those veterans were, like, say, a Marvin Jones had they want to keep him, um, it, it – 
it can't be worth it. It's the reason why free agency and planning to put uh, these players in position that can succeed right away. I'm talking about your draft picks and, and and ensuring that they succeed right away is the reason why we've gone through these last three years. And it's it's a chain reaction because they didn't keep Marvin Jones, because they didn't keep Andrew Whitworth. And they could have kept both of them easily. The Bengals mm-hmm. are nowhere near cap hell. They could have kept both of them with just a few million dollars, maybe an extra year, maybe a little bit more guaranteed money, you know, like most of these teams offered what the report or Andrew Whitworth said himself on a podcast this this past week maybe it was two weeks ago that the Bengals lowballed him and it really was guaranteed money and guaranteed years on that contract and that was the biggest difference the Bengals felt well there's a chance he could fall off the cliff you know being being the age he was 35 36 37 in that deal he could fall off a cliff and that's yeah. true but they misevaluated because he hasn't fallen off his play. No, he, line, he's been he's great. Very, very good. Exactly. So they, they, they were wrong. And because of it, now they were forced to start Cedric Aboye because they, they didn't feel Marvin Jones was worth that money or they couldn't just give him a couple million more or guarantee just a little bit more, even though the, the reports were the, the deals were similar. Bengals don't offer that type of guaranteed money that the Lions did. Um, so just, just that little bit more because of that, then they're forced to play Tyler Boyd when he wasn't ready last year. Um, they're forced. They're forced to play uh, John Ross right now, and maybe he's is or isn't ready. But the point is, those picks could have been a tight end, or it could have been a linebacker. Look at the linebacker group right now. They haven't spent a premium pick on the defensive line um, in a long, long time under Marvin Lewis. I mean, David Pollock, I guess if he's a defensive end, but they haven't spent a top two round pick on a defensive lineman, and the defensive line looks like they're getting worn down and run down after two straight years of playing 300 and something more snaps in the offense, it's starting to take a toll on that, on that unit. So you look at it and it's a chain reaction. One decision leads to another, leads to another, leads you to forcing draft picks at positions to replace the free agents you lost. And to me, going to into the future, it, that is the part of this team and this the way this, uh, way this organization is structured and their goal and, and their, their vision, it, that's the part that has to change. You cannot lose young, good starters in, in free agency and expect to replace them with draft picks. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you completely. And I, I think back to that 2015 draft and we weren't doing, you know, locked on Bengals. That wasn't a thing, but I remember talking with you about wide receivers, about how they needed to be proactive. Tyler yeah. Lockett is a player uh, that you and I talked about. Stefan Diggs is yep. one of the, the players that you were all about, um, and the, the point of it was, and that's why I was shocked. Lockett was there in round two, I believe. Yeah. I think they passed on him. He was there round two. You take him. He has a year to be groomed. So then if Mohamed Sanu leaves or if Ma- Marvin Jones leaves, obviously both ended up leaving, then you have someone who's got a year under their belt. So I get what they were doing drafting one of the tackles. But to me, you can't take two. And what does it say if he? is your first round pick and your second round pick 30 picks later. It sounds good if they're close on your draft board. It's also scary. <laughs> you know, it's scary. Because- That's funny. I, I haven't thought of that. And remember, they said they had similar grades on both, and they thought about Fisher at that pick. Yeah. Now look in hindsight, knowing that both didn't work out, man, they were way too high on a boy. Obviously, we know that. But, you know, that – you know what your evaluation is on a player. I'm speaking as a team or even as an analyst. You know what yours is, but you don't know what everyone else's is. So they felt those two players were close, but, man, they were so far ahead on, on those guys that compared to probably what everyone else uh, believed. Yeah, you're right. And it's – I wonder if the the rest of the NFL was laughing because of way he's shown nothing. And, and now they, they're not even fans of him. Like now they're like, 
okay, let's pass on on a boy. They think he's given up down there at Paul Brown Stadium. So, you can tell. You can tell because they deactivated him. And, you know, when they signed Andre Smith and the way Marvin Lewis responds when anyone asks a question, he's only on this roster because he has a guaranteed contract. Yeah, it's crazy. They should have just moved on from him. And that's where I think a lot of fans are frustrated. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Um, This team, obviously, it's five and seven. You have four games left. You have a game this weekend um, against the Los... I almost called them the San Diego Chargers, against the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't see how they win this game, especially in L.A. Last I saw, they were 14-point underdogs. Any chance to give them any hope in this one? No, none at all. I think this <laughs> this is going to be um, one of those blow. They've had a they've had a handful of blowouts this year where they've been blown out, and I, I can't remember a year like that. And this this should be um, another one. And there's a reason there's a four, 14 point um, swing on this or or, or spread because uh, the Chargers are good. The Chargers are going to be a playoff team, and they may make some damage, and they may they may they may do something in the AFC. And the Bengals are not anywhere close to those teams right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Let let's talk a little bit about, and I want to dive into Marvin Lewis's future in a couple minutes here with Joe Goodberry. Let's talk about last week in, in the film. I had to listen to, I listened to the game on the way up to Cleveland, and then when I got here, I was able to catch the entire fourth quarter. What did you see from this team? Let's start with the offense. Obviously, Jeff Driscoll. Um, from what I saw, I didn't like that he only had, I think it was three rushing yards. I think they got to get him um, moving and get him running the ball more. But what did you see from the Jeff Driscoll-led offense? I thought this was going to be a tough game to do the read option stuff with Driscoll because of the athletes the Broncos have on the edge. Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb. Uh, they traded for Sua Cravens, that linebacker who's, who's like a hybrid safety type of guy. Um, they have athletes, and it was going to be really hard for him to get on the edge. What it did instead was open it up for Joe Mixon. Uh, that backside guy's got to stay with Driscoll. I thought this was maybe one of their best running games, running, running performances, but they couldn't stick with it. And, and mostly because of penalties and penalties on the offensive line, pre-snap penalties, holdings, uh, the backup tight ends, Jordan Franks and and, and Matt Lengel, Bobby Hart, um, Alex Redman, even Billy Price had a couple. I mean, I think they all did. I, I want to say all five starting linemen had a penalty. But, uh, you know, when when the two guys on the, at right guard and right tackle have had eight to ten penalties in, in a season, you start to wonder if, you know, when is enough enough? You cannot continue to have these third and 13 situations all because you had a false start or, or a holding penalty on second or first down. And so I thought they were behind it all day. And I think the Bengals kept a safe offense around Jeff Driscoll, didn't ask him to do too much, didn't allow him to do too much. Uh, so it was a hard evaluation from the quarterback standpoint. I wish they could have stuck with the running game longer. And all in all, they played this game as if it was going to be a three-point game, a 17-14 type game, like their defense was going to shut them down. And to be honest, the defense did have one of its best performances in the first half. Yeah, let's talk about that defense. The defense, I believe, held its own. I mean, I, I was listening to the first half. I didn't get to watch the first half, but um, they only gave up seven points, and it was right at the tail end of the second quarter. What did you think about the Marvin Lewis-led defense? Remember, he was going to fix things. Uh, what did you see on Sunday? He did not fix things. <laughs> I just want to say that first. Um, they're still the same defense. I I thought they played a quarterback that is, is highly erratic in Case Keenum. And because of it, because they got some pressure, I thought Geno Atkins had one of his best performances this year after being um, missing in action for, for most of the last month. Uh, 
And because of it, they they got some errant throws. They got some opportunities on, on third downs to make stops, and they did. I think it's the first time all year they forced four punts in a row, so that's pretty crazy. Um, all in all, the defense wasn't wasn't bad. The corners, again, are, are playing lights out. I think the linebackers are, are continuing to get picked on. The problem is, in this game definitely, was that they got run over consistently, and the linebackers were terrible. I mean, Vontez Perfect was horrible, and we've said this almost every single week, but my God, it's like every time I see it and you watch the tape again, you go, is he really this bad now? Is that just who he is? What is going on? And and it's not all perfect because there are some times that, that Andrew Billings isn't in the right spot or doesn't do the right or can't get to the right spot, and, and or Geno Atkins gets double teamed, and he's, you know, he's not a 340-pound guy, so he gets run around a little bit. And then the defensive ends, besides Carlos Dunlap, are can't hold the edge or can't contain the edge and and you know it's a it's a compilation of a lot of things and and i think the safety play has been erratic for for the most half of the second half of the year um so all in all the the defense is still the issue but when i look at it and i I was going like through the numbers this week on pro football focus and and most of it is missed tackles and poor linebacker play the defensive line grades well. The defensive line's got a lot of pressures. They haven't finished the plays and gotten sacks, and I think that's a big thing. Uh, the corners are rarely targeted, and, and when they are, they're only giving up like 55% completions throughout the year. So they're playing well. Uh, the safeties are playing well. I, I think Sean Williams has had more good games than bad games, more more quality plays than bad plays. He, even though he leads the team in, in missed tackles, he has 74 tackles, I believe, with, and he has 13 misses or 14 misses, while Vontes Perfect has 12 misses, and he only has 18 total tackles this year. So, you know, I, and that just a comparison there. I don't think Williams is bad, and we've seen Jesse Bates as a rookie, and I think we should all be happy with him. So, you know, as we're getting towards the last – quarter of the season here it's more evaluating individual players and not so much the team because I think the entire team is being infected by the current situation of having possibly a lame duck coach or not knowing what's going on with Marvin and it's, it's the same way we felt last year you know these last two games you're kind of like eh, what are they doing and then they'll go, they'll go off and they'll they'll try and save Marvin's job over the last six, week 16 and week 17. We'll be back with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic next but first A word from Action Heat. Are you looking to stay warm this winter? Maybe you're going to a tailgate and you want to stay warm. Well, Action Heat clothing is exactly what you need. It's battery-heated apparel from socks to vests to jackets. They have anything you want, whether you're a man, you're a woman. It comes with a 5-volt power bank that... You can use to charge your phone while you're walking. You can use to charge uh, an iPad or any other iPad or any other kind of device you want to charge. You can do so with Action Heat. And right now, you're going to get 20% off your first order. All you have to do is go to actionheat.com slash locked on. Again, actionheat.com slash locked on. I got some apparel. Why? Because it's cold in Cleveland. Let's say you don't want to shovel the snow and be all freezing the whole time, get some battery-powered gloves. Get some socks that are going to keep you warm, and you do so. Go to actionheat.com slash locked on. Again, actionheat.com slash locked on. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call 
and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Lockdown Bengals podcast. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. I'm James Erpine. Let's dive into Joe, uh, Josina Anderson's report from earlier this week on NFL Live. She basically, I believe it was Josina Anderson. I think I'm giving it her was. credit. Okay, it was. All right, all right, all right. So she basically said that Marvin Lewis will get to decide his fate. Um, and it might take a week or two to do so. And this, to me, for so many reasons, is the, is the craziest thing ever. Like, I've had, I've worked for basically half my life. I got my first job when I was 14. I, I, I've worked in multiple different industries, as you have. I've never been able to go to my boss and say, yeah, I've been bad for the past three seasons or three years or three months. I'm going to decide whether or not I get to keep my job. And yet that report is believable. When you saw it, what was your reaction? Well, I had two reactions. First, you know, was, God damn it. That, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he, he may have the opportunity to be here next year, in which I, it's so hard to even believe because you I, forget. I think he will. I know. You, you Don't you forget sometimes that you're like talking about the Bengals versus yeah. a regular NFL franchise. And that's, you know, that's why I always have two minds of, of whatever's going on. The first part is, can you believe this shit? And then the other part is, yeah, I can believe it because it's the Bengals. And because, honestly, I I feel this way when I'm depressed and thinking of the Bengals. I'm thinking, well, they can't get anybody else. That's why. They're not going to attract a good coach. They're not going to attract a big name. They're not going to get somebody that's going to come in here and just and, and fix things. And then the other half of me goes, but Marvin's been terrible. How, how could they not? How could you? You could take a shot in the dark and hopefully get someone better that at least energizes the team in a different way or has a new perspective or is an offensive coach and get more out of the offense or the quarterback position. And so, you know, when I hear he's going to take his time and he may get a couple weeks and decide on his own, uh, I hope he makes the correct decision if it is all his decision. And the other half of me is, well, Bengals, you guys should be starting this search already. I think most teams would have fired him five years ago but most teams would <laughs> would fire him now or or let him know that you know this is it since you've been here 16 years this is it think of the Packers Mike McCarthy he won a Super Bowl you know he's been there what I think it was 13 years um they let him go they they allowed him to come back in the locker room the next day or two days later to say goodbye to all the players because they appreciated what he's done and the Bengals should probably appreciate what Marvin has done for them but at the same time um you can be cordial about it but at the same time you can say we need to start our search now for that next next coach. And other teams are doing this that have fired their guy. And that's why you fire the coach. That's why you you put an interim guy in there for fresh eyes, maybe a fresh vision for the last few weeks. Maybe you motivate some players because they're they're walking zombies out there right now. They're just going through the motions. It's not good football to watch. It doesn't help the evaluation perspective. If you had a GM right now, and I think that's what it is because Mike Brown's still listed as a GM. I don't know if Duke Tobin is that guy or not. We're kind of... You know, with every passing year, I feel like less of Mike Brown is is is, is doing more, or less of 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 the uh, responsibilities are going towards Mike Brown, and they're starting to get divvied out throughout the organization and family. I agree with that. So I, you know, maybe Duke's more involved as a GM now than he has been, but at the same time, a GM that was for most other organizations in this league would say, well, I need to evaluate these players that are on the roster for future years. And it's hard to do that right now with a coach that may not be here next year in a losing season 
when we're starting the same guys every single week and not giving opportunities to Christian Westerman and other guys. I mean, Christian Westerman is the greatest example we have on the roster, but there are plenty of other guys that need to see reps before the season's out, Malik Jefferson on defense, especially with the way the linebackers are playing. And a GM would demand this this type of stuff at this point, at this juncture. You're not – the coach – is no longer in control of that. It, it, you are in the evaluation season, and because the Bengals don't have that and they don't have that type of presence, and because Marvin has so much power, instead of we're just going through the motions in the final quarter of the season, and it's not helping anything, and it's not helping them in the following years, even if Marvin's here. Yeah, I think if Marvin goes 2-2, two and two, he comes back. Unless A lot he, of fans don't come back. Unless he chooses, seriously, unless he chooses to leave, which then it'll be Hugh, um, but, are you are you are you that? I mean, James, what do you give it uh, percentage wise? That it's either Hugh or Marvin out of one hundred percent. Oh, ninety. Really, Jesus! I'm. I think people are shutting off the podcast now and just like that's it. We're done. Think about what we're talking about here. I know. I just don't want to hear well, it. it. So out of the two nine, now that means there's ten percent chance it's someone else. So there you go. <laughs> there's your one in ten shot. Um, so you're saying there's a chance. Correct. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, I, I think that it, it'll be one of those two guys. I don't think there were people, in, or put it this way, I think people very close to Mike Brown last year were shocked that he was on board with bringing Marvin back. Really? And the only hope for getting rid of Marvin and staying away from Hugh would be, and it's not tickets because clearly that doesn't matter. As much as everyone says it, oh, he only wants money. Look at it; they haven't sold out a game this year, not even close. And it's okay; they don't mind it. Clearly, Mike Brown doesn't mind it. So, what I think it'll take is Katie Blackburn, Mike Brown's daughter, or Duke Tobin, or uh, Troy Blackburn, uh, Katie's wife, uh, husband, um, to all sit down with Mike and convince him otherwise. Other than that. If it's just him, he likes Marvin. He likes you. He thinks, and part of me agrees to it because I defended Hugh Jackson when he was in Cincinnati, but I also understand why you can't hire him as your next head coach or why you shouldn't. But Mike Brown probably views it as, yeah, Hugh Jackson went up there and they didn't let him draft his own quarterback. They didn't let him do anything that he needed to do to have success. I'm going to let him do that here. Like that's what I could see him saying. And he would really truly think, that it is change, that it is a different direction from Marvin Lewis. So, yeah, I would say 90%. I'd say 50 to 60% Marvin, the rest Hugh, and then 10% for other. I don't have a response. I, that's so depressing. What, I, would, I mean, what do you think? What, what, did you get yourself hyped? Do you think Sean McVay no. is coming through that door? No, I. That's what, that's what I mean. Half of the brain is always, it's the Bengals. So that makes sense that 90% it will be Marvin or Hugh. And so I'm I'm with that. On those days that I'm feeling on that side of my brain, I, I'm saying, yeah, it's of course it's going to be Marvin or Hugh. But on the when people start to ask me, well, what, they, what should they do? Well, what they should do is completely clean house of, of as much as possible. That includes players and coaches and start fresh and try and catch lightning in a bottle because a franchise that's operated this way and a franchise that will continue to operate the way they have, the only way they're ever going to win a championship is if they hit the lottery at, at head coach and quarterback, maybe one or the other, but they're going to have to hit the lottery and not even playing is not going to win it. And they're not going to do anything. And uh, so, you know, it's hard for me to say it, you know, I, that's like I said, the two parts of the brain thing. I, yes, I do think there's a very good chance it's either Marvin or Hugh, 
the other half of me is saying it can't be. It can't be because somebody in that organization has to be football smart enough to say, this can't, you cannot continue this way. If you are, I'm out of here myself. And I, you know, I don't know if there's, and when you're surrounding yourself with your family making these decisions, no one's going to do that. I and mean, I don't think Duke Tobin is either. So here we are with the Bengals and this is it going into the offseason. <laughs> don't sound too discouraged. I mean, well, look, Marvin Lewis, year 17. I can't even do it. I can't. I, even I, do I it. heard it in your voice. I like can't even do it. I can't. I'm Marvin Lewis. I, like that dude it outlasted me in Cincinnati. Think about that. That's ridiculous. And he did that. It's, it, it is ridiculous. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us real quick, and, and we'll have more time as we get closer. We haven't talked draft at all. Any of these, uh, these quarterbacks stick out to you as the guy? You mean in in the draft? Yes, in the draft. Not Andy. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were asking me Andy or Driscoll because no, I think we know that answer. Um, I it's very very surface level in my evaluation point right now with um, prospects. And but Haskins and if he comes out looks really really good. He's yeah, got like one Haskins year. Well, his his, his productions is off the chart. His ability is off the chart. I think if he had two years of this type of play in production, he'd be a top three pick locked. I think the fact that he only has one makes it scary. There's not been too many one year wonders. And I say that because really it doesn't happen too much in college and they go top 10 and have success. Cam Newton and Mitchell Trubisky are two recently, uh, but normally you want two, three. And I think a lot of old school teams would want three years of, of production at, at that position. They can stomach two, but one to them is a red flag and a lot of evaluation. So if the Bengals end up picking eight to 15, they could be in that range of a Haskins, and I think that would be excellent and awesome. And give them a year behind Dalton or or six weeks, eight weeks behind Dalton would be um, ideal. Would well, that be what a good franchise would do at this point in order to reset this young core group of players uh, going into the future? Uh, on the other hand, guys like Will Greer and there's, I mean, there's there's a lot that there's a lot of guys that could declare um, Herbert from Oregon. There's um, mm-hmm. I think he's the favorite to go first overall. Yes, I think so, too. Um, uh, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, if he plays baseball, if he's not, he's a short guy, but he's got a lot of Russell Wilson in him. And it's hard to take an outlier that, you know, normally you don't take those guys that are too small or too short or or not athletic enough Um, at at any position. They normally slide a little bit. That's why Russell Wilson did. Many evaluators thought he was a first-round quarterback talent-wise, but because of the size and because most players don't make it at that size – you go later. So I don't know where a Kyler Murray would go. I think recent NFL trends would push him further or closer than the, than the third round that Russell Wilson went and closer to the first round, but he would be extremely interesting. Um, but, but what I'm looking for this year and when we get into the draft and we start watching these guys and I, I can't wait to break them down each individually. But um, the thing that I really want to look for and, and, Everyone's going to look for some arm strength because it's something that, that I, I do believe is, is important. Um, obviously, we want accuracy. We want a smart guy. We want, we want a leader. We want all that. I'm looking for the one thing this year that I'm going to key on is having that internal clock that isn't so rigid. And we see it with Dalton. Uh, you see it with a lot of quarterbacks. But you see it with the best quarterbacks are able to stay calm in the pocket uh, remain passers, find that second, third read, push the ball down the field, allow the zones to open up even more, and just have that calmness within the pocket. And uh, for me, that's something I'm really going to focus on and try and find the guy that that shows that the most. Yeah, I, I don't blame you one bit. You know who they should have had? Lamar Jackson 
I got a couple emails the other day like, I cringe every time you say Lamar Jackson's name because he's not good, whatever you say. I would feel so much better about this organization if Lamar Jackson was was in right now. I would. I feel so much better if they stayed at 12 and picked different players than Billy Price. Think about this now, right? At the time, it made so much sense, right? Draft, get, get Cordy Glenn, a starting left tackle, even though he's been up and down and now he's hurt. But with two years left and he's 29 years old. Um, and Billy Price, is, all right, fine. You get a first-round center that should be better than Russell Bodine from the jump, and he – hasn't been um so it made sense at the time but now let's step back those are decisions you make when you feel you're one year away and that's how we started this podcast right they they always believe next year that they they'll be better um but the decision probably should have been at stay at 12 and pick a premium talent a derwin james who may win rookie of the year uh leighton vanderesh who may win may win rookie of the year josh rosen maybe you know Mm -hmm. you're in those positions where you can make um, different decisions and, and draft players that are good rather than filling needs. And that, that, again, comes to why I said I think this organization has to attack free agency differently and treat free agency differently because you can't continue to go into draft and target a specific position to fill on your on your starting roster because you haven't been able to fill it or retain those players in free agency. And this was we got to take Billy Price, even though for me, and I said it at the time, Frank Ragnow and James Daniels were better than Billy Price. They've shown that this year, even though they're playing guard, they're playing very well. Um, I put Price's numbers up and his grades, pro football focus, and, and whether you feel, however you feel about that, it is one tool to use. I put his up against all these first and second round centers, their rookie years, and they usually struggle, but they don't struggle as much as Billy Price has. And yes, he's had injuries, but remember, what were we sold on of what Billy Price? He's so durable. He's so durable. Um uh, he started all four years at Ohio State, and all he's had is two injuries here. And now people are like, well, you can't properly evaluate him because he's injured. Well, I mean, I thought this is what people said about John Ross and, and the same issues. So for me, it's not just that they didn't take Lamar Jackson. It's that they may have whiffed on their third straight offensive line premium pick. And if if they cannot continue to do that, because if you've watched free agency, you cannot pay for a free agent offensive lineman out there in a competitive market because the, it's crazy what they get paid. And the Bengals have whiffed on the only position you can really probably get at a value in the NFL draft at offensive line compared to veteran free agencies. And, and, and for me, at some point, they got to step back and say, it's not about picking the guy that we need right now for the position we re- need right now. And that was John Ross, too, the year before. It could be a Patrick Mahomes or that whatever quarterback or Mark Jackson, whoever it's going to be, and say, we're not going to get good play or we're not going to get any play at all because their first-round picks haven't contributed in five years. It, we may not get what we want this year out of that pick. It's no hurt and it's no shame and it's not, and it's not going to kill this franchise to take that quarterback now and let him sit for a year and then see what you got in two years. And that, I wrote about that this this year, this week for The Athletic. I wrote, Bengals need to have 2020 vision. And what I meant was they need to start looking at 2020 and who's going to be the core on that roster then. And it's going to be a 33-year-old Andy Dalton and a 30, 33-year-old A.J. Green and, and Geno Atkins will be 32 years old. And it's going to be an old group. And you may not even have A.J. Green because he's a, he's a his contract only goes one more year. So you need to start building with that in mind that – that group that you built from 2011 to 2018 is now old, and that window has now probably closed. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. By the way, they had their chance. I, I, I still don't mind the trade back from 12 in hindsight because you did get the left tackle, and there wasn't going to be a left tackle. But the premium talent, the premium pick was Lamar. That was who was left. Derwin was picked. 
Billy Price, we were talking about him in the second round. That's where, that's where we were looking at him or, or trading up and getting Daniels or whoever fell. So, yeah, I'm with you, Joe. Premium talent matters. Lamar Jackson has a chance still to be, and, and I think if he would have stayed his last year, I think he would have a chance to go first overall this year. Getting him at 21 the year prior is a steal. So from yeah. a talent perspective, I think it made a ton of sense. Joe, I appreciate it as always. Uh, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. That's going to do it for me on Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked on Bengals. I'll be back Sunday with a post-game edition of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Joe, you, you, got, uh, you got the Chargers winning this one. Give me a score. Uh, 38 to 14, man, complete destruction. Just completely. (laughs) You just, you got me all choked up. I'll say just Avengers level decimation. Oh yeah. We didn't get to talk about the Avengers. We'll we'll do that next week. Okay. Deal. All right. We'll do that next week. 34, 17, by the way. Thanks so much for listening to the locked on Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.